0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. In Numbers chapter 14, we get a hint on how... Joshua, his spirit, his heart. Remember, uh, leading the children of Israel had gotten to just be way, way, way too overwhelming for Moses, and Moses said, "I, I just can't do this." And God said, "Choose seventy elders from the nation to assist you." And remember what God said: "I'll put my, I'll put." the same spirit that's on you on them. One reason you need to be careful about the covering you walk under is that God wants to take the same spirit of spiritual leadership that you submit to and put it on you. I mean, I didn't make that up. That's in the Word of God. So... Joshua was one of those that was looked on as a leader because he was one of the leaders of the 12 tribes. Within that 70, there was a 12. You ever thought about how that correlates with the New Testament? Remember, Jesus chose 70 to assist him, and then, don't forget, he chose 12. Twelve and seventy ought to have some significance somewhere. We need to figure it out by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. I think we'd be a little wiser if we just would go by some of these things. Joshua was one of the twelve, and they were sent out as the leaders of Israel to spy out the land of Canaan, That God had promised through Abraham that was going to be a forever inheritance for his covenant people. Moses had appointed them and sent them out to go retake the land. Well, how'd they they lose the land? Well, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had dwelt in the land. But remember over time, they had drifted back into Egypt cause there was a famine in the land and they came under the influence and the control and manipulation of Egypt and the Pharaohs and for 400 years plus they were subservient to Egypt until God raised up Moses let his people go now they're on the brink of the promised land Going back into the land of Canaan, and they go out to spy out the land, and they come back, and ten of them, first few verses of Numbers 14, ten of them give a report of fear, that there are too many enemies over there, there are giants over there, they can't have it. But let's look at verse six. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunah, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. That was deep travail. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land." for they are our bread. How does that contrast with what the other ten spies were saying? The other leaders. Look at verse 33 of chapter 13. There are giants in the land, the descendants of Anak. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. (laughs) Interesting. They said that because they went in there as spies and nobody saw them. Isn't it amazing how our inner image projects so much fear and intimidation based on lies? Well, Joshua said, they are our bread. They are toast, if you will. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Verse 10, and all the congregation said to stone them with stones. So how do you think his leadership is being received so far? Don't forget that the making of a great leader usually involves some suffering and rejection. You ever thought about the fact that great crowds followed Jesus when he was doing all the miracles, but the more he taught what it was going to take to be a disciple, the fewer the crowds became. You ever found? Have you ever noticed the progression in your business? That some point you're blowing and going, but at some point in the progression of your business, you're going to find that there's only a handful that are that are truly, truly faithful to you throughout the uh, through the end of your journey. Y'all you noticing that? Remember that the part of the development of a true leader, and you don't ever hear this. This is not a popular deal. Part of the development of a true leader is some rejection and suffering. If I'm you, I'd be careful about following somebody that's never had any failure. It's going to happen There's got to be some difficulty, some pain. Who stays the course? Joshua and Caleb notice their own families, their own local congregation wanted to kill them. But I think this is amazing in verse 10. Now, the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting. You know, what was the glory of the Lord? That was that outward manifestation that God has shown up. He's in the tabernacle. He's ready to meet. Isn't it interesting that he was ready to meet? He showed up when his two main leaders were about to be stoned to death. What happened to Stephen in the New Testament? He was about to breathe his last and he said, I see the heavens open in the glory of the Son of God. If you are suffering for the glory of God, it is so divinely attractive to the Father, he's going to show up. Boy, now this right here is a manifestation of promotion for a developing leader. But I also want you to remember this. What happened to the children of Israel after they, in unbelief and fear, refused to obey God? What happened to them? For the next 40 years, what happened to them? Is it true today that if you get under the wrong leadership, you're going to wander around aimlessly? Is that true? Is that true nationally and politically? Didn't take you all long to respond to that one. Is that true in the body of Christ? Does, Does the absence of true leadership caused wandering around and aimlessness and even spiritual death. God says, because y'all won't move on and follow me. Notice what they said up there in chapter 14, verse 2. The congregation said, Oh, if only we had died in Egypt. If only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Wow. Now skip down to verse 28. God told Moses, okay, go say to the people. As I love, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. You want to die? You're going to have what you said. Wow. The carcasses, verse 29, of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you, Who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. You ought to know better, except, verse 30, for Caleb and who? Joshua, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore that I was going to give you. Your little ones, whom you said would be victims. I will bring in. I'm going to have mercy and grace on those who didn't know any better. But on all of you who chose to rebel and disobey and long to be back in Egypt or to die, have it your way. Wow. Wow. So, is there scriptural evidence that sometimes God says to people who used to follow Him, "Okay, have it your way"? None of us really want to answer that one quickly. Would God ever say to a nation, "You were founded on principles"? that had to do with your relationship with me. But now, you won't even allow my name to be spoken publicly in your schools. You won't allow my word to have any place. You want to make it forcibly legal for people of the same sex to be married. You're closing 7,000 churches every year. My people have gotten so detached from a personal relationship with me they don't even go and try to get under his my word and gather with other saints anymore is it possible gentlemen that our father could say have it your way is it possible that the mighty repentance The mighty turning to God that happened immediately following 9-11 has been forgotten and is a distant memory. Is it possible that the purging of the incredible recession of 2008 is being disregarded, forgotten? Happy times are here again. May God have mercy on us. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we don't want the same deal that God's covenant people cried out for. At some point, God will say, have it your way. I am encouraged when I read scripture. I'm not pessimistic. I'm alarmed. I am alarmed. I'm disturbed. But I'm not pessimistic by any means because in the holy scriptures I see that God has always had grace and mercy on a remnant. Look at what he did for Joshua and Caleb. As I said Sunday, God said, I won't even destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if I could just find ten righteous men. So I am encouraged that with all the incredible evil and distancing, from our Heavenly Father and the things that have made our nation great. That there is a growing number of saints who are crying out for true leadership and revival and repentance. That is encouraging. That there is a growing remnant in this country that are wanting a deeper relationship with the Lord. That encourages me, and it ought to encourage you. But will there be a purging? Will there be a have it your way? I say this with fear and trembling. If you look at the track record, of how wicked nations who leave God are dealt with. Are y'all listening to me? When the hedge of protection is removed, it ain't pretty. Pastor, are you sure about that? I'm just telling you out of my own heart. You take it and do with it what you want to. I could be wrong, but there seems to be a track record in Holy Scripture where there's a point where our Father says what He said to His covenant people in this text we're reading. All right, have it your way. Wow. There is a time when the righteous anger of God, according to the book of Romans, is revealed. I agree. So, those of you who are in places of leadership right now where it's hard. to watch the people around you suffer like Joshua did? How do you think it made him feel to watch his friends and relatives die for 40 years because of the hardness of their own heart? What I'm trying to tell you is when God promotes a man, many times he has been rejected and had to suffer before he gets promotion. You ever noticed also that some of the greatest leaders are those who are willing to admit their own pain? Right? I've reached a point in my life where somebody who's slick and always got all the answers, I don't trust them very much. Y'all do whatever you want to. Turn to, Romans, uh, to Numbers 27. We're talking about principles of leadership here. You got to rise up and stand up. Did Joshua stand up? Did he stand up to those he loved? Was he willing to be unpopular? Wow. Look at Numbers 28, I'm sorry, 27, verse 18. The Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Hmm. Lay your hand on him. Set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and inaugurate. That word means commission. Publicly set him out there challenge him, anoint and appoint him in their sight. Hmm. And you shall give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. Well, what was going on here? Well, you see, what's the deal with this? Was Moses highly regarded as the man who met with God? Did God put his hand on this man? You ever heard of the Ten Commandments? You ever heard of the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud? I mean, he had a track record that God visited with him. Yes or no? So how do you think the people saw Joshua from the time that Moses laid his hand on him in the presence of the the other leadership in the congregation of Israel, including the priest? Would that have meant something? You ever notice how in the body of Christ some, sometimes we have gotten away from the very same principles that are Old and New Testament? Spiritual leadership are supposed to lay hands on and commission other spiritual leaders. That's Old and New Testament. Remember what Paul told Timothy? Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What does that mean? Something is transferred in the realm of the spirit by what God has put Old and New Testament by spiritual leadership, laying hands on, anointing and appointing, commissioning if you will somebody else. Now does that mean Joshua got everything right after that? (laughs) Absolutely not. In fact, did Moses get everything right? Remember, uh, God wouldn't even let him go into the promised land because why? Instead of speaking to the rock in the name and authority of God, in anger, he struck the rock. And people said, wow, look at that. Who got the credit for that? Moses or God? Who gets the credit for the success of your business? You? Or your heavenly father who's your business partner? Is it God's blessing or is it your expertise? What is it? Who gets and takes the credit for that? Who gets and takes the credit for the... For the way your ministry is blessed. You, because you're such a great, holy, called man, or your Heavenly Father. If you humble yourself, He will exalt you. If you exalt yourself, He's going to humble you. I didn't make that one up either, did I? So Moses anointed, appointed. Look at verse 23. He laid his hands on him and commissioned him, inaugurated him, just as the Lord told him to do. Now look at chapter 34 of Deuteronomy. Go one book over, chapter 34 of Deuteronomy. Verse 7. This is the last book of the book of uh, last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. It is telling us what happened before God called out Joshua and gave him final authority over the children of Israel verse 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim nor his natural vigor diminished. <laughs> I tell y'all something interesting. We have a very gifted eye surgeon in our ministry in Chattanooga, and he has done a couple of procedures on me. And before I was sedated and put to sleep the last time, this surgeon who called me yesterday to talk to me, Catholic man, saved listening to one of our tapes after a Tennessee football game, big UT alum, came into the room right before they put me out, put his hand on me and said, God is going to give you the vision of Moses. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm 67 years old and I'm not wearing glasses today and that is very, pretty gone remarkable, isn't it? I'm just saying, sometimes God does incredible things. Now, does that mean i failed if I have to wear glasses in the future? No, absolutely not. I'm just telling you, thank you for the wonderful gift here, Lord. Now look, the children of Israel wept for Moses, but verse 8, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? For Moses had laid his hands on him. Something gets transferred in the realm of the spirit that has Natural manifestation. Spiritual and natural manifestation. So here's the question I have for you, gentlemen. Who are you beginning to anoint and appoint? Who are you beginning to encourage? Who are you beginning to get close enough to you to see the principles of how you lead somebody and what you do? We must not get so preoccupied with what we have to do that we're not looking for who God is bringing for us to notice and and to show that God wants to do something through you. Somebody is hungry somewhere for what you have. Don't ignore them. Open your spiritual eyes to who it is that God is bringing into your life who is younger and less experienced than you. Don't leave this earth without depositing into a younger man or younger woman, maybe your daughter, whoever it is, what God has built all your life. Don't take it with you. Somewhere there's somebody that needs and wants what you've got. Don't ignore it. Don't be so self-absorbed that you don't invest in somebody younger what God has taught you. Amen? Let's don't just amen that. Let's be alert to that. Is it easy to get aggravated and impatient with those younger than us because we're thinking, y'all ought to know that by now. It is, isn't it? But God is in the process in relationship. And notice in Joshua 1 where we started, what I want you to see is there was a process of leadership that involved Some growings, even some rejection, some suffering. But the great thing I see about Joshua is he was faithful. He didn't say, Well, I tried it, didn't work. It's easy for us when something doesn't initially work to give up on it and move on to something else, isn't it? Joshua stayed with this assignment to lead God's people. And notice in verse 2, he says to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, why would God say something that obvious? The people had gone through a 40-day mourning period, the whole nation. So why would God say Moses is dead? Was he trying to tell him a fact that he didn't know, or was he trying to really speak to him in the depths of his being about something? Do you think you're always going to be around in your business? Do you think you are always going to be the leader of your family? Not going to happen, is it? Not going to happen. I wonder if you and I as spiritual leaders ought to stop Entitling, providing, fixing everything that our children or those under us. I wonder if we ought to sometimes back off a little bit and quit making it so easy. That's a tough tightrope to walk, to walk, isn't it? I wonder if sometimes we are hindering the growth of the younger people under us by making it too easy. You know what God was saying to Joshua? You don't have your security anymore. You can't go have a talk with the man anymore. You can't lean on what He can provide anymore. It's me and you, buddy. That time's going to come for all of us, isn't it? Me and you, buddy. Every one of us. For most of us, that time's already come. But those who are under our leadership need to be very wise And we need to constantly tell the people under us, remember this, I'm not your security. God is. Notice what God said to Moses next. Now get up. (laughs) Moses is dead. Now get up. Arise. Go on. Go on over this Jordan. You and all this people to the land which I'm going to give to them. I've got a great plan for you. I have a wonderful provision for you. I have a great promise. But you got to get up, quit depending on your spiritual daddy, and do what? Face the Jordan. Every time God cuts somebody loose, from their wrong source of security, there's a Jordan River facing them. Whooey. You know what that means? The development of a leader, not only have to they be a servant and an assistant and learn and grow and stay under covering, but at some point, the very first thing they're going to have to do is face a Jordan River. Wow. Remember what God told Joshua to do to get through the Jordan River? Well, that's what we're going to investigate next time. He gave him a formula that didn't make any sense in the natural realm. Didn't make a better sense. But when he just took the next right step, just, I don't have to understand what you're telling me to do. Don't look good. I don't know how we're going to do it. But when he just took the next right step, God God did what he could do and got him through the Jordan River along with three million others, that's not an easy deal. How do you think the people felt about him after that? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. In your walk as a leader, it's okay to not know what to do next. That makes you more dependent on God. If you're always acting like you already know what to do next, people are not going to trust you that much. But be humble before God and listen. And take the next right step and keep his word in you and on you and before you. And just be careful to obey the very next thing God tells you in his word. He will not forsake you nor leave you. And he will put a divine magnet on your leadership that others will notice and they will follow. You don't have to have all the right answers. But you know what you have to do? You have to refuse to let fear get you by the throat. You don't have to know what to do, but you have to not let fear or anxiety consume you or people will not follow you. What did God tell Joshua over and over again? Do not fear, nor be afraid. Do not fear, nor be afraid. Do not fear, nor be afraid. He didn't tell him in advance how to do it. He did tell him, don't fear nor be afraid. I am with you. And notice what he said there in verse 8. Don't let the Word of God depart out of your mouth. Keep it in the midst of your heart and meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. And then you will prosper and you will succeed. Wow. Okay, are we learning anything? Let's all stand. Got to let you go. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.